This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Future. We're talking real money. It's that time again, time for another edition of the Talking Real Money podcast. Hi, I'm Don McDonald. Thanks for being there. We're going to take calls today. We got a bunch of calls all in a row. So uh, it's either feast or famine with the calls. But if you want to call, the number is 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. And if you plan ahead and you actually want to talk to me live, you know, have a conversation about something financial, I will be doing Talking Real Money live on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 3 to 5, or noon to 2 Pacific time. So you can call the same number. number works in both cases, 855-935-8255. 8255, which spells talk. Also, I now have four videos, four educational videos up at TalkingRealMoney.com. Two are mine, two are Tom's. And there's one about how to pick a fiduciary advisor, how to create income in retirement, how to withdraw from Social Security. And then the longer one is the past and the present and the future of what we call real investing. So we've got four videos for you to watch up there right now at TalkingRealMoney.com and then just click on the guy with the TV on his head or four ahead. He doesn't have it on his head. It actually is his head. You'll see. Uh, now the the uh, the number we got a lot of calls to get to eight five five nine three five talk eight five five nine three five eight two five five you can call twenty four hours a day seven days a week and leave a question or you can leave them by typing them in at talkingrealmoney.com slash contact or just hit the contact link. Now let's get our first call. Hi Don, uh, I listen to your podcast uh, often and thanks for everything you do. My name is Santosh. Uh, I have a question regarding uh, um, non-qualified deferred compensation. Going to join a new job and they're offering non-qualified deferred compensation. Uh, I want to know whether I should uh, put money in this or not. I max out my retirement accounts. I do backdoor Roth, which is every year I do it for me and my wife. Um, I also put money in taxable account, but I wanted to know, uh, about the non-qualified deferred compensation, it is not the 457B because they said that I can put up to $50,000 a year in that. And uh, But there are certain restrictions in that, I think, from what I read online, and I am not sure about how to go about it. So that's why I wanted uh, some help from you, if you can help me out. Again, uh, thank you very much for everything you do. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Non-qualified deferred plans. These are, they're, by being non-qualified, it means that they aren't under the ERISA rules, the Employee Retirement Income, whatever, security or something like that. These are typically for highly compensated employees. 
They're special plans, and they have a lot of restrictions on them, a lot of restrictions. You can defer your salary, but there has to be, you can't just defer it like a 401k or an IRA, which you can pretty much take out whenever you want, as long as you take required minimum distributions at 70 and a half. These have to have absolute dates when things are paid out. So it's, boy, it's not an easy answer. Because they're complicated, because you're highly compensated, apparently, and you're a great saver in your 401k and your IRAs, you want to do a great deal of tax planning in advance. This does require planning. You have to determine whether this deferred compensation is actually going to be good for you or bad for you. What does it do to your tax bracket down the road being a serious saver and investor? I think generally speaking, it's probably a good thing, but there are too many specifics that could change my opinion. And there's no way to get into them without sitting down and looking at what your current income situation is, how much you're putting away, what it might be worth in the future, what your tax situation might be like in the future, making some educated guesses along the way, and then determining which is better, whether it's better to just go ahead and invest or put it in the plan. Another thing that determines whether or not this non-qualified plan is worth doing is the quality of the investments provided within the plan. If they're expensive actively managed investments, then that eats up a lot of the benefit. So again, there's a tax planning component, and then there's the investment component, and then there's the emotional component too. Again, generally speaking, I think they're a good thing, but get into the specifics. Make sure it's just what you need. 855-935-TALK. That is our number, 855-935-8255. And here's our next call. Hi, guys. Uh, big fan of the show. You guys do a lot of good work. Um, I have a question more so about taxes. Uh, I have a family member selling a rental property. Uh, they've uh, mortgaged it for about 10 years now. Um, they're looking to sell. Um, one of the offers is uh, from a buyer who wants the seller to, quote, unquote, hold uh, the note, uh, like seller financing. Um, any uh, ideas about, is that generally a terrible idea? Um, is, is that super unsafe as opposed to, you know, getting a regular a buyer with a mortgage and all that stuff? That's question number one. The other question I have is uh, we're negotiating a closing date, and um, does it make any difference, if you guys know, uh, to to close uh, like December 1st as opposed to January of 2020? Uh, does it make any difference to uh, hold the property until the new year, makes the tax simpler, or is there some, you know, rule about, you know, owning the property December 31st of the year? If you guys have any uh, knowledge on that, it would be a big help. Uh, thanks again for all your help. Well, the first question really isn't a tax question. It's more a risk question. How much risk are they willing to take when they sell this rental property? Now, carrying paper can make it a lot easier to sell investment property because getting mortgages on investment property can be far more difficult and the rates tend to be higher. So often, a buyer will look to the seller 
to refinance some of that paper. But I got to tell you, if I was going to do it, one, you need to understand that if they default, you're going to have to go through a very involved foreclosure process that will be time-consuming and expensive. So you need to be compensated for that. You need a good rate on the note. The other thing to consider is there could be an extended period of time that someone could default before you foreclose. And so you could be out a lot of income in that period. Also, be you didn't say where you were from, but in, in some states, uh, there is non-recourse. And don't ever think that the value of a property cannot go down. They can. It is a uh, it's a myth that real estate doesn't go down. It went down in 2007, 2008 in a lot of places, and they have barely recovered in those places. And if it's, for example, the Seattle area, people think Seattle is immune to declines. It is not immune to declines. It will someday happen. So the value of your property could go down, you're, you could foreclose, get the property back, and still not get back what you would have received if you just took cash and they got their own paper. Oh, and also I wanted to mention, don't take, don't take second or third positions. That's just too much risk. If you're floating paper, if you're holding paper, if you're floating them alone, then you want to be in first position. You want to be the, the primary lender. Let somebody else be in a secondary position or a tertiary position. You want to be number one so that if you do have to foreclose, you get paid back first. So those would be my concerns about carrying paper. As for the other, the only thing I can think of is that if you want to defer paying taxes on a capital gain, you could you get a little more time to pay it if you wait until January to close. But I can't think of any other advantages over that one month. That's all that all that's all I come up with. If somebody else has uh, something I'm not aware of, give us a call 855-935-TALK and we'll share it on the podcast. And now our final question for the day. Hey, Don, good afternoon. Uh, I have a question. Um, I have uh, a 401k that, uh, that uh, I'm going to be uh, bringing over to Vanguard. And we were looking at uh, possibly some small cap. Uh, I, I hear you brush the topic every once in a while on the show, and, and I know uh, Paul Merriman's got some uh, uh, small cap value in, um, uh, in his Vanguard portfolio. And uh, so I was wondering if you could um, uh, possibly suggest some, uh, some uh, small cap funds, some small cap value funds that, um, uh, that would be appropriate that we could add in, you know, a uh, few percent, maybe 10% into, uh, uh, into the, uh, into the uh, IRA that's, uh, that's going to be uh, moved over from the 401k. I do appreciate it. Thanks. This is a great question because we have a two-fund, what we call a two-fund solution at Vanguard. And the reason we use just two funds when we could probably get you slightly better diversification with a number of different funds. And then you'd have to go in and rebalance them regularly, which most people won't do. So it'll get out of balance and it won't look as good. So we go with the two funds, which is the Vanguard Total World Index, VTWAX, and the Vanguard Total Bond Index, which is VBMFX. Just to make it simple, we just want it to be easy for people to create 
a really well-diversified portfolio and not think about it a lot. Now your only rebalancing is if you get out of your particular comfort level. If you were a 70-30 and your portfolio gets to 80-20, well, you want to go back to 70-30 so you don't get frightened out in extreme volatility or downside volatility. But, it's always a but, adding small and adding value to a portfolio has been shown in the past to have improved overall returns and actually kept volatility about the same because they don't all move in lockstep. The different asset classes don't all move in lockstep. So I've always considered that it might be prudent for us to go with a three-fund solution. But only, only the smaller, smallest amounts into something like a short-term value fund. And by small, I mean on a 60-40 portfolio, I probably wouldn't have any more than, you know, I'd probably take 5% out of my 60 and make it 555-40, something akin to that. On a 100% portfolio, maybe I'd be 10% in the small cap value or 15 if I was young. And the fund I would use would be Vanguard's small cap value index. Ridiculously low fees and expenses. It is very inexpensive. The only problem is it doesn't have international, so it can't be too much of the portfolio. But again, 5%? Sure. The symbol for that is VS, as in Sam, I-A-X, V-S-I-A-X. And I think it would be a great addition. The other thing you might consider is the Vanguard Real Estate Fund, which is a REIT fund. It owns a lot of different real estate portfolios. And that, again, to the tune of no more than 5%, maybe even taken evenly out of both the stock portion and the bond portion, because REITs are income generators and have a different level of stability. So if you want to go with four funds, there's four. If you want to go with three, three's great. If you just want to go with two, I don't think the differences are going to be dramatic, but every little bit helps along the way. Once again, our number, 855-935-TALK. Remember, this coming Saturday, the 9th of November, I'll be doing the show alone, live, on Saturday, from 3 to 5 Eastern Time, noon to 2 on the West Coast. You can call live during the show. I'd love to talk with you and answer your questions then. If you can't call then, call anytime, 855-935-TALK. Also, go check out the new video classes at TalkingRealMoney.com. Click on the guy with the TV for a head and with dollar sign on it. And I think you'll like them. Let me know. The uh, Is there anything else? No, I think that's it. I think I've covered almost everything oh yeah if you want to leave a question go to talkingrealmoney.com click the contact form and of course we always ask that you share this with everyone you know because let's face it most of the investing advice out there is terrible i'm not saying ours is perfect but it's not terrible it's better than most Thanks for listening. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts. Have a great day, night, whatever. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Don McDonald. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the 
information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.